Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Visit a live archaeological dig site on the very grounds where America began. Or walk the fields where our country was won. Live like a colonial by day or track 18th century ghosts by night. For all the history to be found here, there's plenty more to make for yourself. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So Connor, three big questions we're going to address today. Love it. Number one, should we abolish the monarchy? When I say we, I mean the royal we. We? That's me. Royal we? Yeah. Just countries. This is getting really complicated. We, yes, yes. We here in America should abolish the British monarchy. Yeah, okay. That's easy to to say. Yeah. Um, I think we did that, actually. It would just be an advisory. In 1776. Yeah, that's true. We did our best, at least. So this show is nothing if not timely. Yeah. Uh, The queen has passed. currently being interred. Rest in peace up in queen heaven. And so now a lot of people are talking, you know, gee, she was great uh, 70 years or so. But my goodness, Charles, uh, do we really want to uh, stick with him? So we're going to talk about whether or not it's a good idea to abolish the monarchy. By the way, I was um, I was on Amtrak over the weekend. I was down at San Diego for a uh, dinner and it came back and uh, I, I was shocked. I was stunned. Prince Charles, now King Charles, oh, was on was gosh, on the train. On your train? He was on the train. Was he in coach? Well, no, no. He was in business class. That's nice. You know, want to know how I knew? How? Well, you, you go in there, and uh, you, you enter the train, and you're not supposed to sit there because that's for like folks in wheelchairs and so on, and then you go up top. Yeah. And then they come out of the public address system, and they say, uh, remember, the lower portion of the car is for the nobility challenged. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's it's Charles down there because he's that way, right? And then I realized, oh, they said mobility challenge. Aren't we all the nobility challenged here in America <laughs> since we don't have a monarch? Yeah, you could put it that way. Topic two, should the red states be airmailing undocumented people to blue states? Airmailing, interesting way of describing uh, kidnapping by trick. Well, they sent them... From Texas up to uh, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris's mansion in Martha's Washington, D.C. Yeah. Well, and then that was what uh, DeSantis from Florida did. Sure. Yeah, so we're going to decide for the entire nation here whether we should be doing that kind of thing. And finally, rest in peace, Ken Starr. Not only did the Queen die recently, but Ken Starr, 
the uh, guy who persecuted, I mean, prosecuted uh, Bill Clinton in the 1990s. Yeah, and then had his illustrious career at Baylor University, uh, which was already sure right, ran into on. a couple of problems at yeah, Baylor. They never yeah. accused him of sexually harassing anybody. <laughs> That's... They accused him of being the head of the sure. president of the college sure. when there was an investigation that wasn't all that wonderful yeah. or thorough. Yeah. So we don't really know if he was guilty at all. Sure. I mean, Baylor gave him the boot, but we'll get there. We'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Uh, so those are the big topics. And in our special feature at the end of the episode, Guess the Verdict, America's favorite game show, I'm going to give Connor some real-life facts about a real-life case, and he gets to guess the outcome. And if he's right, he gets the big bell. Love that bell. And this, just to give you a little tease, it's the bell. case of the amorous coaches. The mm. case of the amorous coaches. Okay. All right. So before we get to whether we should be abolishing the monarchy, a rather serious topic up north of us here is it too easy to choose to die in Canada. We've got assisted suicide laws in California, a bunch of countries around the world. But last year, Canada has changed its assisted death law, uh, allowing people with chronic, grievous, and irremediable conditions and physical disabilities to commit suicide even if they're not terminally ill. And that's mm. been kind of the, the sticking point for a right. lot of, of these laws. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times article just profiled a, a woman by the name of Ms. Romare. She'd undergone 41 medical procedures, 10 years, painful and worsening spinal cord conditions. She was uh, she was told that her death is, is not reasonably foreseeable and therefore under most laws she didn't qualify. Uh, for death on her terms. So Canada is one of a dozen countries and several American states where assisted death is permitted under some circumstances. And uh, since uh, just last year, uh, Canada is one of three, at least three countries, uh, including Belgium and the Netherlands, that allow assisted death if a person has a chronic painful condition, even if it is not terminal. But this change in the law, of course, has uh, ignited a, a big debate over, over the system. And uh, some some critics are saying Canada is really going too far. Uh, it has the least safeguards of all countries that allow it. Uh, I guess the question that's always bothered me on this, I mean, it's such a, a horrendous, difficult issue, but you really want to make sure that people who are making an irreversible decision are not being pressured uh, into it. They're not being coerced. It isn't a matter of, oh, I'm such a burden on the family. You know, I was just going to eat up my inheritance and, and I'm really super depressed right now. And maybe they'd change their mind if they got some psychological help. Uh, do you think it's a good idea, Connor, to, to be on this trend line, making it easier and easier to allow people uh, to, uh, to kill themselves? I mean, maybe from a libertarian standpoint, the government shouldn't be telling you what to do. On the That's other where hand, I was going to come from on your side. You're the libertarian yeah, in the room. Shouldn't I'm, you be saying hands off my... I'm concerned about coercion. Hands off my heartbeat government. Get your filthy government laws out of my, you know, me medical decisions between me and my doctor and my family and the people that I'm deciding, you know, about what my future future is going to look like. I mean, these are horrific, difficult decisions that people make every day. They make these decisions when people's lives are foreseeably, reasonably foreseeably uh, going to end, right? Right. When somebody has cancer and it's terminal and it's two weeks or two months or, or a year, they decide what treatments they will pursue based on the quality of life that those treatments will give you. And if there are no treatments available and you've got doctors saying there are no treatments available for this person, he or she, they is going to be are going to be in pain for the rest of their lives. It's, you know, irre irremediable or irre irre 
remediable. Easier for you to it say. It can't be remedied. I couldn't even get that line right. It's easy for you to say, yeah, not easier. Well, okay. you said it perfectly the first time through, and then I struggled <laughs> right. with it. Um, but yeah, the um, I just need one of those like big plastic wheels. Uh, so if you use a big important <laughs> word, I can just press on the cow, and the cow will say, <laughs> irredeemable, or right. whatever the word is. The internet tells you. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, if he, <laughs> the, so there's a cow inside the internet, is yeah, what you're saying. basically. These are, these are complicated questions, and these are questions that I think the, the government should have uh, a role in deciding uh, what who can harm themselves and, and when, because we don't want... Uh, of course, coercion uh, or bizarre businesses to crop up that, uh, you know, push people along this path or towards the end when they have, you know, other options that could crop up in the future. We don't want there to be a profit motive in people dying. That no, is but the there's real a real fear. safeguard that there's a guardrail that's being abolished here because, I mean, when you think about it, I guess the distinction between, okay, you're going to die in six months anyway, as opposed to, well, no, you're not, but you're just going to be horribly miserable for however many years you, you live. It doesn't seem like a moral difference. No, but it's, yeah. it's been a pretty solid legal yeah. standard. But now, as we're learning here, a few countries are deviating from it. So, Is there a difference really between saying, though, if, if, you, if the law had been changed instead in a hypothetical, as lawyers are wont to do, to throw on hypotheticals, if they had changed the law to say, we're changing the definition of a term terminal illness, not to be some fuzzy standard of reasonably foreseeable, because who the heck knows what that means. But if we think there's a 90% chance you die in three months, that's that's what reasonable that's what reasonably foreseeable means, or right. that's what terminal means, or a 90% chance that you draw die in six months, or a 12% chance that you die in a year, or whatever they want to set the standard for. Would we be all sitting around scratching our heads wondering what that means? Or would we be realizing that we're wrestling with this same problem, whatever you, numbers you put in there, whatever rules you decide about uh, reasonably foreseeable versus terminal versus, you know, very likely versus, you know, doctors don't have a cure for you and you're, you're irremediable uh, or whatever else. We're wrestling with a really difficult decision that should be a personal one. And while there should be some safeguards in place and, and the, the government, sh I think, should have a, a role and, you know, this is a, a decisive role. This is the role where the government gets to step in and say, you get to do or you don't get to do. This is not like a a, a matter of how far you go. It's a bright line, right, between suicide and not suicide, right, right? between ending your life and, and not. So the, this is a, a, a large power that we, we have to invest, uh, you know, vest in the, in the government to make this decision here. But I think you should err on the side of uh, the Kevorkians of the world. I think you should be erring on the side of allowing people to end their lives in a healthy uh, not healthy in a uh, a safe environment where they're going to be comfortable, where maybe their family can you know participate and and be free from legal liability um, as they wrap up their affairs. Because let's face it, as we look at the suicide rates out there in the country and in the world, people are ending their lives anyway. Right. This is a real thing that people with chronic pain conditions or other irredeemable issues, uh, ir irremediable issues, uh, they do take their lives. They do end their lives. And they're not doing this on a whim most of the time. Now, suicide often is on a whim. And a lot of people who survive suicide attempts later say, oh, I'll never do that again. That, right. I don't know what came over me. But this is a process, actually, that offers an alternative for people to go to a doctor or a, you know, a hospital and say, this is a process I want to begin and undergo. And when those, gov those government uh, checks come in and say what that hospital's procedures should look like, I think that's a great way to go. I think that's a much better way to treat people with dignity who yep. are in terrible situations instead of pushing them back out the door and saying, what, uh, don't do that or we'll lock you up uh, if you try. I mean, 
they're going to go home and do it. You can't lock them up. No, that's you're right. the problem. No, no, I think that's a good point. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Kevorkian, and of course that naturally reminds me of a, a joke by my all-time favorite comedian, Norm MacDonald. And, you know, he, he was doing the weekend update thing, and he said, uh, okay, uh, this week uh, Dr. Kevorkian has uh, killed his 27th patient in the last two years. When are people going to realize this is not a good doctor? <laughs> So, a topic that seems very not, not to lend itself to humor Norm. at all. No, R. in R. a way, Norm. as always, Norm finds humor in the uh, impossible. So and, here's uh, another, here's another weird twist, Connor. Yeah. The committee members up in Canada wrestled with the question of whether minors should be allowed to make this decision. Now, wow. I I thought it was tough this business about gender reassignment. Sure. You know, some people actually think that if Timmy, age eleven, says, "I'm telling you, mommy." I'm a girl, and that's all there is to it. I want the surgery. We're going to cut off my dick. Right. A lot of people say, let Timmy do it, okay? Yeah. There are some people who say that. Yeah, there are. A and there are a some lot people, of people. Who, who recognize the nuance of what it means to go through puberty with or without puberty blockers and say, well, little Timmy can put off the decision about a, a physically altering surgery, but little Timmy cannot put off a decision about whether he's going to go through puberty as a man. He has to make a decision at age 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 right. about whether to take puberty blockers because if he takes his hands off the wheel and says, well, I'll just do what the conservatives want me to do and just let the course of biology take its course, yeah. I'm going to look a lot like a man should, in four or five years. But should 11-year-olds or 12 or 10-year-olds ever have their hands on the wheel ever? <laughs> I don't. I think it's as ba bad an idea to let them have the hand on the gender assignment wheel as it would be to say... Timmy, here's the Ferrari. Sure. Don't go over 100 miles an Don't hour do it, on the Timmy. Autobahn. Okay? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's less of a, of a danger. I think that we actually have w ways in place to let 11 and 12 and 13, 14 year olds speak their minds about their gender identity. And we have smart, trained people who listen to them and say, this person uh, is not the gender that they were assigned at birth for whatever a, n a number, mountain of different physiological and medical uh, signifiers and markers to say, yeah, this person should be on puberty blockers. They'll be a happier and healthier and more well-rounded and, and more complete person in three or four years if we do this and start them on the path now as opposed to uh, f them feeling like, oh, they really missed an opportunity. I think that is a great path as well that we have in our medical legal system. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of, I think, uninformed people out there who are frightened by the idea that there's a pandemic of gender reassignment happening when, in fact, it's extremely rare. Uh, and when it, it is happening, uh, the vast majority of cases, the people who actually undergo it come out the other end of puberty blockers version of puberty happy that they did it. So speaking of woke principles and campaigns, yeah. when we come back, we're going to address the question of whether we should be calling pedophiles minor attracted persons. Oh, my God. But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, so uh, check us out on whatever um, podcast platform you like, or while you're out there uh, on the internet looking for podcast platforms, as I remind you to do every week where you can like and subscribe or join, depending on the podcast platform that you prefer. It's usually Apple Podcasts, but it could be any of them. Um, while you're out there on the internet, type in myturn.org for California or any other, uh, just type into Google, where do I get my Omicron booster and go out there and get the jab. Right now I can't lift my left arm, but it's a public service announcement I just wanted to put out there, remind people when Joe Biden is going on TV saying that the, the, the pandemic is over, uh, to remind people that it ain't and they should still go get their Omicron booster. So in addition to liking and subscribing to the podcast, do us all a favor and get the jab and save somebody's That's life. That's very public spirited of you. you. So you. I didn't realize you got a 
a, a jab today? I, well, yesterday. Just and it still hurts. Ooh, it's sore. Really? Yeah, what about previous that, shots? That's how you know it works? Oh, I well, guess. actually, last time. Uh, I'm worried about tomorrow because last time I couldn't even raise my arm two days Ooh, ago. Several the first days. Day was Yikes. And I got a flu shot at the same time. And so it's going to be a one-two punch. Same shot? Same arm? Same arm, Is two this shots. A pharmacological uh, pharmacy uh, malpractice? Malpractice, yeah. They just threw needles at me. I walked in and they just said, stand still. And they started throwing. And I didn't stand still. And they went everywhere. Sounds like fun. Speaking of needles, um, we talked a week or two ago about how Governor Newsom has his eye on the prize, mm -hmm. the presidency. And so oh, yeah. he just now has vetoed the bill passed by the wise legislators in yes. Sacramento that would have provided uh, safe areas for people to uh, shoot no! up uh, ne needle drugs. Gavin, you yeah, scoundrel. He, he know, he's just visualizing yeah. the Republican commercials in two years. Do you know that Gavin Newsom, when he was governor of California, voted to have opium dens where people were distributed needles? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, basically, he has no principles. He's Bottom abandoned line. them. There we go. I guess we're going to probably go to commercial eventually. We'll be, we'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Laura And I'm Connor. So, pedophiles now should be referred to, Connor, as minor attractive persons. When I was a kid, there was this joke. I don't know why people thought it was so funny, but hey, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to call the janitor a sanitation engineer. <laughs> and it just went from there. But now in yeah. the era of wokeism, I mean, instead of a barmaid or barman, now you're supposed to call them mixologist <laughs> well, that's not a woke thing that's just uh, that's bartenders a... getting you know full of themselves maybe maybe nursery man is now nursery worker garbage man no more garbage man sure. it's trash collector sure that makes sense used I to mean, be a seamstress now it's a sewing machine operator okay um and, and of course then there are the homophobic jokes that uh, are told by uh who's the guy ricky gervais yes where was he the one who who said you know what sh what should we call a male um male flight attendant uh and so everybody is anticipating some homophobic joke and he, he said a steward you yeah know, a steward that's all so he, he, he was able to play with your heads all right so here's here's the question um whether or not uh, we should be changing our approach to pedophiles uh, a Texas school district now is firing a teacher, Connor, who's accused of defending pedophiles during a class lesson. Mm, that's not the, good. The El Paso Independent School District Board of Trustees voted unanimously to, uh, to propose the termination of Franklin High School teacher Amber Parker. Uh, she was recorded by a student during a lesson in which she allegedly told students, you must call pedophiles minor, attracted persons. Don't judge people because they want to have sex with five-year-olds. Oh, so, boy. Shockingly, this went viral, Connor. Uh, parent groups uh, took to Facebook. Uh, 
For, but of course, nobody goes on Facebook anymore, right? Isn't that? Uh, yeah. Don't millennials consider Facebook to be passe? Yeah, but millennials don't determine what's passe anymore. Now we are old people, and <laughs> Gen Z has taken over with their TikToks and their high waisted jeans, and the, I don't understand them anymore. So, really, why even ask me is the real question. So, what do you think? Uh, do you think it's appropriate for the El Paso School Board folks to uh, terminate this uh, teacher who was trying to indoctrinate her? Uh, her children into yeah. changing the, the name. This and... is an example of people who are not actually interested in the project of, for example, civil rights uh, for um, classically American marginalized uh, groups like racial minorities or sexual uh, uh, minorities, preference minorities, uh, or gender minorities, or whatever else. Um, these are people who want to co-opt the language of the civil rights movements and speak about things like equality and relabel themselves and others um, in order to gain the protections that we give marginalized groups. And they want to cherry pick from history to find examples where they felt that they were uh, a marginalized group. Um, when in fact, obviously, people who are preying on underage children, uh, that is to say children, um, are not a traditionally marginalized or persecuted group any more than uh, your murderers are, right? That they're a group that is suffering uh, under the, the boot of the law uh, because the law criminalizes their behavior. Now, there's a slight difference that I can recognize, and I took to, as they say, to steel man your opponent, to, to uh, take the strongest version of an argument as opposed to straw manning the argument. Right. But steel manning your opponent would be um, that you can be a minor attracted person and not act on your attractions. You cannot molest children or otherwise um, commit crimes as a result of your you know proclivities um and they might say well i you know don't see any evidence in my life or other people's lives that i know uh, or the literature about um this being some sort of sexual deviance that is brought on by you know a trauma or something it's just who i am i, I was born this way and you're gonna persecute me or call me a criminal because of the way my brain works so to take that most generous and strongest uh, version of the argument mm -hmm. and to say that, okay, uh, the word pedophile, which is plenty uh, widely used and understood, and thus not unclear in any way, um, but uh, to say that the word has been taken to mean not just somebody who has this uh, uh, attraction to minors, but somebody who acts on it, somebody who harms others, somebody who's despicable or terrible or criminal or violent or whatever. Um, that word has now changed in its usage and needs to be modified. We need to come up with a new term for people who don't do that. Look, I'm, I'm stretching here, right? I am now multiple layers deep into right. steel manning this person to try to come up with a way where you can possibly argue that we need to relabel people who are sexually abusing children or desiring to um, as, uh, as something other than pedophile. But if you do that and you say, look, people don't have enough 
you know, healthy contact with uh, medical system and maybe the legal system uh, and in a way that they can identify themselves as, hey, I'm this kind of person um, and not be immediately, you know, mistreated. Maybe you need a new term for that. That is the most generous possible thing that I can come up with. And does it probably matter? No, it doesn't matter. And this person's probably just completely arrogant and self-obsessed and thinks that they're so important that they have to try to change the world to make what they want acceptable, even though the society and the world that they live in turns around and says, I'm very sorry, but that's not acceptable and you have to change your behavior. Yeah. Well, and, you know, on your point about uh, the difference between pedophile and minor attracted persons and, and, you know, they may act on it, they may not. I don't know that it, it really makes that much difference because if you move to minor attracted persons, I mean, it's new and maybe it isn't quite so negative and horrific, but it, it still conveys the same idea. Yeah. Pedophile, right. you know, ped, kid, file, love. It, as you say, it doesn't yeah. mean they necessarily ever do it. Yeah. But the fact that they have the inclination, yeah. you know, it's it, it's not a good thing no. because these kids, uh, they don't have the age of consent. And you might as well say, you know, person who likes to, uh, you know, assault kids, yes. you know, hit them over the head with a baseball bat right. or kids who like to steal money from kids. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you can't do it. We say that certain things in society are good and acceptable, allowable within the realm of okay. And uh, if you're sexual proclivities are outside that realm and they involve non-consensual activities by definition. Uh, if somebody was, for example, uh, you know, wanted to harm other people as part of their sexual proclivities, we would say that's outside outside the bounds. And that's what, uh, you know, abuse of minors is. So we have to ask ourselves, are we spending uh, too much time giving airtime, giving oxygen to people who want to distract from the real movement of civil rights, the movement towards uh, equality for gay people, uh, equality for people of all different genders, equality for people of all different races, equality of people from all different national backgrounds, equality for people who who speak different languages, all of the things that we really see are major social civil rights, uh, social justice and civil rights issues facing our country and our societies today, and we turn around and say, oh yeah, let's let into this big tent that we filled here uh, every single person. No, some people you can probably exclude from the tent. Yeah. Mm, a lot of people might want to leave the tent. Yeah, you might lose your tent is the problem. So uh, we're finally to our first big topic. Oh we've we've solved goodness. a lot of problems. We have. Should we abolish the monarchy? I mean, some people, the attitude, Connor, poor Queen Elizabeth, they've really come out with some negative stuff. I mean, I expect them to be singing Ding Dong, the Queen is dead, which old Queen, the British Queen. That's the attitude of a lot of people. I don't know if you've seen the videos from Irish soccer games in the last week or so, but they're literally singing uh, about Lizzie and where she is right now, uh, and it's not heaven. This is like Brandon. This is Let's Go Brandon. About the same level of respect. They're not happy with uh, the British monarchy up there in Ireland. They got some history. All right, so... And then there's all those colonies if, for example one of which is you just to pick one randomly out of a hat United pakistan oh, well sure that one <laughs> pakistan which is currently a third underwater millions displaced hundreds of thousands potentially dead and will die in the next you know months from horrific horrific flooding and the media covers it for a little while and then we got to get back to the yeah. royal funeral it's so exciting and we're crowning this old man and he's going to become yeah, but, but, the king so that's ancient history really i mean here's my take on it i think the the uh, royal family and the whole idea of monarchy 
it's kind of harmless these days. Uh, they they say it costs uh, England about 110 million bucks to just you know shovel money toward the to the royal family and keep up Buckingham Palace and so on. But that cost is far outweighed by all of the tourism benefits. They probably get a billion in tourism benefits and and just general goodwill for the nation. No nobody's chopping anybody's heads off. This isn't you know back in back in the, the 1500s with Henry VIII and so on. Uh, so I mean, admittedly, you know, disclaimer here, full disclosure. My name's Royal, and mm, so I yes. have kind of a bias. I've been sitting by the phone for decades, waiting for a call to see any if they, day now if they want to come in to be part of the family. You but know, it's, it's never come in. It's very tempting to say, you know, where it's 2022, um, the monarchy is no longer you know, in power. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't actually wield their scepter with an iron-clad fist. They are figureheads, they're ceremonial, they're a tourist attraction. Uh, They only cost $110 million a year. Um, It's easy to forget that Queen Elizabeth has lived a long time. And she, personally, for example, ruled Pakistan for four years. She ruled Pakistan right. for so four years. So you can't years. blame the floods on her. During, <laughs> no, it's been a while since she yeah. was It was a long time ago. But the... Didn't even have weathermen back then. Yeah. The, the, this, is, this is a woman who has been a powerful uh, uh, royal figure, even if she, at the moment, currently is, you know, well, dead. But all up until very, very recently was a ceremonial uh, figurehead. Um, we've got a situation where people are obsessed with the royal family because they are elevated above others. They're, they're celebrities. They're, you know, on TV constantly, media no. coverage of them all the time. Uh, you know, people, paparazzi they're chasing like the them Meryl around. Streep and George Clooney of, uh, yeah. of England. Yeah, yeah, But it's not even just that we think that they're good actors or that they're attractive. It's that they have this dynasty of who... The inbred bloodline. Yeah, who's their daddy, right? That's what matters. And to have that in a society is inherently toxic. It's just a disgusting, gross idea that some person that by virtue of who their daddy is, that that person gets to rule over you. If you look up and you go, oh, well, you know, this disgusting, horrifying concept, relic of the past, they're a tourist attraction now and it's beautiful that we get to all celebrate when she dies, we all cry. We should not be crying at the death of a monarch. We should well, not be mourning the death of this. We should but be you're thinking celebrating about all the bad stuff that monarchs have done over the last many thousands of years, whether yes. they called them pharaoh or yeah, king yeah, or, yeah. or emperor or whatever. Right, yeah. and when in fact now, I, you know, there's no real toxicity there. She, as I say, she doesn't chop off heads. It inspires stability and loyalty, which are key to survival of a country in a world full of bad guys. If you don't, don't have people don't. who love England and have loyalty to the notion of England and the queen to be able to lay down their life in a, you know, a border skirmish with the Ukraine, I, isn't that a good thing to, to, to have people rally? around the flag or I rally around the queen? Are, I think that there are other really positive concepts that can inspire and unite. Yeah, and name I, three. I don't know, democracy. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing ideas out there, right? Like, these are concepts that people will sign up to lay down their lives for, as Maybe. we've seen in America, where we don't have a monarchy other than Jeff Bezos. <laughs> we have a, a system over here that I'd say is... Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. Proof positive that people will lay down their lives for any rich weirdo, Elon Musk, but specifically, we, we have a society that's proof positive that you don't need a monarchy, and 
I mean, this a lot of countries like Canada and, and definitely New Zealand are potentially taking this as an opportunity to take even further steps to, to distance themselves from the Commonwealth and the notion of Commonwealth because you cannot have this lovely relic of a family who only costs us $110 million and they're celebrities and they live in a gigantic house in Buckingham and it's fine. You can't have that without having every person who sees it know that this is a relic of uh, colonialism. We are celebrating history by continuing to prop up this beautiful facade of royalty. If you didn't, if you don't think that the ends justify the means in terms of colonialism getting us here, then why are we lauding this old dead German lady? We should say, look, you shouldn't. German lady? What do you mean? German she was lady? German. She, the way Queen Elizabeth has the German blood. You're saying? Yes, she's German. Yes. Well, isn't she more English than German? Why would there, you call her German if she's mostly English? There, like, you heard? Did you hear her speak? There was no German <laughs> accent when she would speak to Parliament. Yeah, good point. Um, she she was she was uh, somewhat German. I don't. I couldn't tell you the, her blood percentages because I pride my my myself on not knowing that garbage. When the Queen because, of the Habsburgs married Henry VIII, yeah, there was a little German. Exactly. Influence. It shouldn't right, ex right. it shouldn't exist. Uh, so I I don't know the details of it, but look, this is the situation. You're making people think of Hitler, aren't you? We're, no, we just just that that the, the whole notion of royalty is this is this country. It's not this thing that the the British are all oh let's all raise our glasses of tea and stick our fingers out and support the Queen. This is a legacy of thousands of years of the richest and most powerful people across national borders uh, deciding how to keep the peasants from rioting and killing them. Right. This is not. Not a legacy of beauty and and you know and and uh, dignity. This is a legacy of barbarism and death and the yeah, but disgusting. This is not the Middle Ages. This is twenty twenty two. Then why do we have queens? That's the problem. Loyalty and stability. But it, it shouldn't. If the young men to sign up to be soldiers, it doesn't inspire loyalty and stability in me. It makes me less likely to want to sign up. If we had a queen, you go live I there for be, a few years. I bet you'd change your tune. I, I probably would. I'd be toasting the the queen with the rest. <laughs> All right, when we come back, should red states be airmailing undocumented folks to blue states? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Stick with us on Too Many Words. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oak. And I'm Connor. So, Mr. DeSantis, the governor of Florida, what a what an idea. He, somebody's going to get a bonus. To somebody's going to go to jail. To send 50 people to Martha's Vineyard I mean, that really was genius. And I think, was it Abbott of Texas? Is he the one that came up with the idea? Hey, let's send a bunch of undocumented folks to Kamala Harris's vice presidential mansion in Washington, D.C. I mean, this really caused a big stir. Now, Governor Newsom... Well, right off the bat, I'll say it just... Yeah. It didn't cause a big stir in the way that the people who 
uh, human trafficked these migrants across these state lines all the way across the entire country wanted to cause. Because when the people showed up, once the inhabitants of the destination state were made aware of the fact that there were desperate people in bad in bad situations who had been promised things and then not given them when they right. arrived, uh, they swooped in and took care of them pretty well, darn in well. In fairness, Newsom is saying, you know, well, let's investigate this for kidnapping and fraud yeah. and so on. In fairness, we don't really know what we know. What the communication we was. have recovered documents. Uh, the, the, the Texas authorities have opened an right. investigation into this, and DeSantis, I'm sure, will face an investigation in Florida too. The documents showing that they were promised things like, uh, you know, a, a place to sleep, a certain amount of money, uh, help with language reeducation. So you're saying it'll be established that these folks were lied. to. They were lied to, okay. absolutely. They and if lured. they were lied to, then there are going to be consequences. Right. But well, did did or it, just, is anyone arguing that that DeSantis's cronies uh, and the uh, the Texas uh, Abbott's cronies uh, that they went up to these people and said, hey, I'd like you to be part of a cruel political stunt where we bust you across the country away from any connections you may have planned to have in showing Texas. them a postcard of beautiful Martha's Vineyard. But that's not Who what wouldn't people, want to go there. That's I mean, not that's what people come home to of President Obama's birthday party. That's pretty good. This is not what they were showing up to. These people were entering the country likely to meet relatives or friends or to take a job that they had lined up right. uh, or to stay with somebody that somebody else had told them, you know, would, would give them safe harbor and instead boom you're dropped at the bus station in Martha's Vineyard way in the northeast you have no idea where you are uh, you're, you're in a foreign literally foreign country you're very in a for, very foreign situation right. uh, and you're left at the mercy of the inhabitants who thankfully it appears has swooped in but I mean this is a horrific horrifically cruel political stunt to have pulled uh, with using people as pawns uh, without their consent. It, it is absolutely going to be proved to be kidnapping by trick, uh, which in most places, uh, and maybe fairly, I have no idea. I mean, what am I, a lawyer? I don't know. Will be a crime. And and you're going to have to, we're going to have to see who faces uh, the, the, the wrath of the law for this, because well, you cannot trick people one person busing them across the country. With it. What if you had, I had been walking down the street, and somebody, in order to make a political position about how crappy lawyers were, and how there were too many of them, right. and how they, you don't want lawyers in your backyard, had walked up to me and said, hey, you want to get in this bus? Uh, we're going to give you a bunch of money if you get in the bus with us, and, and uh, take it. And they put me and a bunch of other poor lawyers into a bus, and they bus us across the country, and they drop us in Martha's Vineyard, and they're like, see if you like it. I would be furious. I would be seeking damages. I would. I was lied to, taken advantage of, and abused. Not. And the, the worst part of it is, you're talking about uh, I, Connor, a lawyer who's you know white and established in my community and has every possible advantage that this country can keep giving me over and over every single day. And instead, you're talking about the poorest and most vulnerable people, the people who are in a persecuted racial minority, right. who often don't speak the language, who come in and aren't aware of their circumstance, and they're seeking asylum because they're fleeing a horrific situation in another country. And you say, boom, you're going to be my political pawn. I'm going to take advantage of you, abuse you and abuse you and drive you across country. Horrific. Well, it all depends on whether there was uh, there was deceit going on, uh, and some people are pointing out that Governor Newsom, when he was mayor of San Francisco in 2004, he took about 20 percent of the homeless folks in the city, and he bussed them uh, either to other places inside California, or 80 percent of them actually went out of state. Texas was the most popular destination. Now. Should he go to prison for kidnapping? I would say it would depend, if there's no statute of limitations sure. issue, it would yeah. depend on whether they were lied to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there should be an investigation. But I think it's a, a political win for the Republicans because it's pointing out 
the hypocrisy of the people who essentially say, let's have open borders. You know, we should help these people, <coughs> but they don't want them actually I'm, in their backyard. I'm NIMBY that, is now not in Martha's backyard. I'm really glad that we have now moved the conversation away from it. Is what DeSantis and Abbott did a crime? To well, maybe somebody else on the left also committed a similar crime. There's some so concerto cell with bad. the two of them. Exactly, they can have so, their debate in yeah, prison. Obviously, kidnapping is a crime, and very clearly, this constitutes kidnapping by any reasonable person's metric. And so, we should be thinking: Yeah, is it a crime that in America, thousands of uh, unhoused people every single year are given one-way bus tickets out of town and told, "Screw off, get out of here. It'll be better in another country, in another right. city. There's more, uh, there's more sheltered beds in another city." or there's more uh, food banks in another city or something else, uh, most of which is probably lies, and they get booted out of town and they're turned into, instead of just unhoused people, but now they're left transient unhoused people. They have nowhere to go. They have no established base of operations in addition to having no home. And it's a horrific situation for them, too. And yes, Gavin Newsom should probably face jail time for that, as should every major... Every should every mayor of every major city in America. That is not a conversation that America is ready to have because America doesn't treat unhoused people like human beings well, either, well, just if, like migrants. If this were Illinois, the, the governors and the mayors would be in prison anyway. That's so, true. You know, Most this of them is are. just one more. Yeah. I think offense. it's like a two month stint before they rotate into county. <laughs> All right, last topic. Rest in peace, Ken Starr. Oh, should God. we stop vilifying him? Based on his bias. I mean, you know, you're not supposed to speak of the dead with a lot of uh, left of center. You're not supposed to be a jerk while you're alive. So, yeah, I I met him a few times. Uh, I will say he was a partisan. Um, But I think he got an unfair rap in terms of his obsession with sex because Bill Clinton ended up uh, being convicted of perjury, lost his license. Now, should he have been impeached? The American public didn't think he should have been. He wasn't convicted. Uh, but the fact is, when he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky, uh-huh. uh, Ken Starr's position was, well, he's denying under oath that he had sexual relations. We got to figure out what sexual relations consisted of. And that's why the report was rather <clears throat> explicit and rather vivid. Yes. Yeah. And so Ken Starr got the, uh, got the uh, reputation of just being uh, a smarmy perv because he included all sorts of stuff about cigars in this report. But in, in defense of him, you know, I think Bill Clinton kind of opened the door when he said, under oath, I didn't have sexual relations with that woman. Then you got to talk about sexual stuff to the degree he may have lied under oath. I don't think that most people's problem with Ken Starr is that he wrote a gross report uh, obsessing I've heard it about many, sex. many times. Because, that seems to be okay. the thing people like to talk about the most when, they, when it comes to Ken Starr. I Star. think that's an easy, low-hanging fruit way to criticize Ken Starr. I think Ken Starr's real criticisms come from what he did to Monica Lewinsky and others in attempting to use them for his own political gain to take down a political opponent. Ken Starr, as you said, a partisan, fiercely opposed to the Democrats broadly, hated Bill Clinton, clearly, and used Monica Lewinsky, had people wear wires that other people didn't know about to collect information as part of this, yeah. you know, It sounds way sneaky. To attack. I, you know, we all saw the, the miniseries a year or two ago right. where Goldberg, the lady that the wore the wire, yeah. she wasn't exactly a sympathetic character. No. But I don't know that she committed any crimes. I mean, just to wearing a wire. Very disloyal as a friend. Yeah, sure. disloyal as a friend. And the issue being... Ken Starr knew what he was doing to Monica Lewinsky. He knew that he was going to ruin her life. Now, 
fortunately, Monica Lewinsky has made a full recovery and is a fantastic you know, public figure and seems to be you know, happy and thriving. But that is a fantastic outcome for an outlier uh, who you know, survived the onslaught of what she was put through. This person who was 17, 18, whatever she was. I'm sure she wasn't 17. Sure. I mean, she, I think she's between 18 and 21. Okay. So she's eight, between 18 and 21, whatever she was uh, when she gets hired at the White House. And then she's at the White House for some period of time. And some untoward stuff, and stuff happens at the White House. And guess who becomes the <laughs> butt of... Some untoward stuff <laughs> yeah, happens. And, and guess who becomes the butt Minor of... Minor attractive person. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to... Clean this up. Guess who? Guess who happens to who becomes the butt of every single joke on every single late night comic's tongue uh, and writing pad uh, in America for a decade. It's she, Monica Lewinsky. She and brought it all, on herself. She did not. She's I, eighteen. The here, president brought this on just her. Just because this she's is a, Bill's she's fault. an adult, she could have been sent to war. Okay, <laughs> that's another problem. You, you remember what happened? This is all Newt Gingrich's yes. fault. Newt Gingrich caused the government to be shut down in yeah. the 90s when he was the adversary of Bill Clinton. Right. While the government was shut down... They didn't have anything else to do. Bill Clinton and a, a skeleton crew, they're in the White House, and yeah. she was an intern. She'd been transferred to the White House. They're together alone, you know, right. eating pepperoni pizza. Yeah. And she That's decides, while the two of them are alone, knowing full well that the beloved Hillary Clinton was legally wed to Bill Clinton... <laughs> Melania Lewinsky flips up her skirt, oh disclosing her thong. Now, this is the story that we've uh, all been heard. Yes. Okay, so she knew she was uh, seducing him, and they had a sexual relationship of sorts. Yeah. And so now you feel sorry for her when she got into this situation by her own choice? Are you saying just because she was, let's say, 19, she would, didn't have the maturity to know, oh, I really shouldn't do this? She knew Mrs. Clinton was married. And when I think of the ordeal she put Hillary Clinton through, I can hardly stand it. Well, yeah. maybe I'm exaggerating yeah, maybe a my bit. feelings. Maybe you're exaggerating a little bit. Look, I think that there is uh, a bit of a power dynamic between a 19-year-old yeah. intern okay. and a the little president bit. of a the United bit. States Emperor of, of the universe. So I don't know if we can really say, uh, you know, look what she did. This She brought this whole, you know, life-altering yeah, nonsense on geez. herself. Did, blame there. Did, did does anybody who's entering a uh, a flirtatious circumstance uh, plan to be made the butt of public jokes uh, among the entire American, really the whole world, for ten years? And the answer is no. Do it you know what she gets for a lunch speech? I'm sure she's. Doing I don't okay either, now. but I bet it's a big pile of money. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. So, but well, props to her for having recovered from this so well. <laughs> Great job. But <laughs> Ken started. How did she do it? How did she survive being on the cover? of magazines and the heroine of the left. Ken I don't Star get it. Ken Starr didn't care about any of this. She was not the heroine of the left, by the way. She was vilified by both sides, who basically slut-shamed her. Well, you're... You're uh, lionizing her. It's I'm. It's 2022. Okay, <laughs> I was like seven years old yeah. when this happened. So I'm not the target demo. I'm not Ken Starr's target demo for his vicious report where he eviscerates the Democrats. And, all of and them. And by the way, you were minus 380 when the the monarchy took over Pakistan. But, <laughs> but I know a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 look, Ken Starr. Uh, was, uh, and I'm going to do, do capital letters here, a bad dude with a big B and a big D. He tried to, uh, he, he attacked Bill Clinton viciously mm -hmm. without, without regard for who he trampled along the way, including the 19-year-old interns that he didn't give a crap about. He headed Baylor College while a terrible student safety scandal where women were, multiple women were abused, 
uh, went uncorrected, and then he Baylor, you know, fires him. Now, did he have any knowledge of this? He should have. He was the president. He should have been keeping his students safe. That's kind of his number one job. He claims, of course, he didn't. Baylor maybe threw him under the bus, but it is his job description. So Baylor's right to throw him under the bus and fire him. He should know. You know, he should be known as a guy who let this sort of thing go on on on, on his watch and for years, uh, did not prevent it from continuing, did not investigate, did not stop it, right? And then, of course, we have his uh, abrupt heel turn towards the end of his life, where he becomes this, you know, Fox News regular, and then eventually Trump supporter. So his true colors, of course, were always on display, but he could not be more, you know, moral lists than to sign up with Donald Trump Connor, at it, the end of his long and illustrious me, it career. It sounds to me like you're really not familiar with the age-old adage, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. Apparently that, uh, that's not a guiding principle for I, you. you know, I kind of liked his glasses. Okay, you know, they okay were I'll take like, it. Uh, boxy but sophisticated. I'll take it. And now... Doggone it, we're ready for Guess the Verdict. Are you ready for it, Connor? That's I'm the always question. ready. Yeah, I've got the question. Always ready. I've got the question and the answer. You only have, can have the question. So Stressful. Stressful. This is uh, the case, situation where I the give Amorous Connor coaches. the real live facts of a case in the case of the Amorous Coaches. Nice. And you get to guess the outcome. Here we go. Gabor and Catalin Deli are gymnastic coaches at the University of Minnesota. Sure. They're fired after home videos of their lovemaking sessions are accidentally played as part of their students' training films. Can you imagine the awkwardness there? All the the athletes, all the gymnasts are sitting there taking notes. They're in the auditorium. The lights lights are dimmed. Okay, run the film. Oops. So student reporters, intrepid Woodward and Bernstein type reporters at the school's newspaper decide... Hey, did they have nicknames in this Woodward and Bernstein situation? We'll just call them Woody and Bernie. Yeah. So the student reporters at the paper, uh, they file a freedom of information request demanding that the videos be made public because these two professors were fired... And the law says that if a public employee is fired, then the evidence used by the public institution to justify the firing, doggone it, has to be made public. Has to. And so Woody and Bernie said, <laughs> oh, you know, we want to see this. So they, uh, they go to court, and the, uh, the school's lawyer says to the judge, uh, the kids are just looking for a cheap thrill. Hey, yeah. This should not be released. So... Connor, what's your guess? Who won this titanic legal battle? Do the tapes get released because, you know, public firing? Public, or public firing. do they stay secret? I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to fall back on a general, a couple of general legal principles. One, uh, Freedom of Information Acts very rarely actually get anything that you really want to see. <laughs> uh, anything you get is horrifically redacted mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, ex- excerpted. Uh, or redacted is horrifically, horrifically burned. Yeah, it yeah, was horrifically burned today. You're right. Horrific is a bit strong for redaction. So boringly redacted, okay. uh, not saucily redacted. Um, uh, or uh, uh, just just denied entirely. And then secondly, uh, that judges in the American legal system generally don't really care about students uh, or young people broadly or student student journalists aren't particularly important. Uh, and uh, <laughs> their desire to see evidence uh, for reasons illegitimate or legitimate, not particularly crucial. Uh, if you look back at the American Supreme Court history, uh, we give uh, students in school 
school uh, about as much credence and uh, uh, worth as we give to prisoners in jail, uh, which is to say we give them none, regardless of what they're due, which is actual full personhood and respect. So I think there's a pretty pretty slim chance that this uh, judge is actually going to force the disclosure of materials requested through a Freedom of Information Act that judges generally want to laugh off and uh, asked for by people that the judges probably don't respect. So tragically, despite the fact that we want to see the tape, uh, I think the kids go down in flames. You're absolutely right. The tapes were not released. The judge concluded these kids are just looking for a cheap thrill. But, but maybe maybe but, if I ask very nicely. But, but he was very thorough. I understand that he insisted on, uh, in camera, in chambers, reviewing the tapes, and it took several months for yeah. him to return them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, kids. Very uh, thorough. You, you lose. Yeah. So good job, Condor. Your batting average has improved. Woo! All right. That'll do us. Do it for this edition of Too Many Lawyers. We'll see you next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace.